Welcome to the Resolved Podcast, where you can find truth through God's Word that will inspire and strengthen you as you determine to lead a life worthy of your calling. Today, we are talking about uncomplicating the will of God for your life. And I want to start by sharing a funny story with you. One afternoon, I had been writing, but had just taken a quick break away from my desk and went into my room for some prayer and a little worship. Well, I always use earbuds when I write just to listen to instrumental music because it, you know, it drowns out the noise in my house. But I wasn't planning on being in my room long, so I just left my earbuds in for the worship music instead of switching over to my big Bluetooth to my big Bluetooth speaker like I normally do because, you know, that drowns out my singing. Well, I was just singing my heart out to Jesus, and after a while, I got a knock on my door, which is odd because my kids know that when my door is locked, mommy's having her Jesus time. You know, mommy's a better mommy when she has her Jesus time, if you know what I mean. So, well, I opened the door, and my daughter, Paige, who was 10, and James, who was 6, they were just standing there, like, staring at me awkwardly. <laughs> and Paige, she, she had her hand behind James's back, like, indicating to me that she had led him up there. And she had that mom look on her face, you know? So then James looked at me with his big blue innocent eyes and said, Mom, that sounded really good. Well, I knew better. So I looked at Paige suspiciously and then back at James and I asked him, James, did Paige tell you to tell me that? Yeah, Mom. Then Paige started to laugh, of course, and added, James heard you singing from downstairs, and he said that it sounded really bad. So I told him that that's not kind and that he needed to come up and say something nice. You guys, like I didn't know if to tell him to be kind or honest. I wasn't real sure how to handle the situation. But all of that to say... We all have unique gifts that God has put in each and every one of us. Singing loudly for all to hear is not one of mine, but I want to take a look at Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice it says should, not would. Some of us wander off the walk we're supposed to be on because we're trying to live up to the expectations that others have put on us or our own distorted expectations of ourselves, or we're busy trying to walk someone else's walk because we don't even know who we are. Or sometimes we're so worried we're going to make a wrong move and go out of God's will that we don't move at all. I heard a quote a long time ago that I'll never forget from a man named Larry Randolph. He said, God will keep his promises but he is not obligated to fulfill our potential. Living in the will of God is not supposed to be complicated. If our focus is Jesus, loving and obeying him, we won't miss anything. I think we can get so worked up trying to serve God and do his will. And I just think often God is inviting us to just breathe and settle our soul enough to hear him and recognize that he is attempting to lead us and help us. When my daughter was 18 months old, every time I tried to wash her hair, she would insist to do it herself. She would kick and scream and make a whole thing of it. Can you imagine how it would have gone if I let her have her way? It would be a disaster. One night I said to her, 
If you would just relax, you could enjoy this. At the very same time those words came out of my mouth, I heard the Lord say to me, that's what you do. Have you ever had the Lord tell you to just relax and let him? You know, we are the ones who complicate things. The Lord gave us a great commandment. Jesus said it was the first and greatest commandment. You know what it is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I have a previous episode called How Do I Love God that elaborates on this. So I'm not going to spend much time here, but if you're wondering, okay, great. Well, how do I do that? You can check out that episode. But listen, when we make this commandment our priority, we will not get all worked up and we won't miss anything. We just won't. It is through this commandment, because he is our focus, because our heart is pursuing him, that we will receive direction and the courage to dream and the courage to take the steps of faith that will lead us right into our divine purpose. God is not complicated. We have a friend from church that recently shared an experience that he had at the zoo. There was a rhinoceros there whose horns were filed all the way down, like he didn't have any horns left. When they asked a zookeeper why his horns were like that, he said that it was because all day long he stands at the cement wall and rubs his horns against it. Our friend went on to share that because the rhinoceros was not in its natural habitat, but instead in captivity, he was unable to do what he was designed to do. Does anyone know what captivity feels like? You know, Jesus is the way out of captivity. But I'm not talking about salvation. That's a big deal. But we could be saved and live our whole life in captivity just surviving. Jesus came so we can have fullness of joy in him and in doing his will. King David said the same thing. He said in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8, I quote, I take joy in doing your will, my God, unquote. Anything outside of what we were created for will be unfulfilling and without the fullness of joy. What we were created for, first and foremost, is to have a relationship with God. Without Him, we will never have the fullness of joy. If someone thinks they have joy without Jesus, it is only the counterfeit that Satan offers, and that is the short-term pleasures of this world. No, Jesus doesn't just give us joy. He is supposed to be our joy. When Jesus himself is our joy, it is uncircumstantial. And did you know that your heart can ache and have joy at the same time? 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, I quote, Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Unquote. Whether we are on a mountaintop or in a valley, Jesus is meant to be our joy. This is important because if Jesus is not our joy in the valley, he will not be our joy on the mountaintop. And if that's the case, our mountaintop will become an idol because we will have found joy in our circumstances, not in Jesus. The good Lord tries to protect us from creating idols in our lives. In Matthew 16, when Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? Jesus had brought them to the city of Caesarea Philippi. 
It was a place scattered with temples of the ancient Syrian ball worship, a cavern associated with the great god Pan, and a temple built to the godhead of Caesar. This was intentional on Jesus's part. They had to take a hefty walk to get there. But Jesus was the best teacher with the best props. So picture Jesus standing in front of them with the backdrop of these idols behind him, as if asking them, who will you worship, me or them? Who do you say I am? Am I greater to you than these? You know, most of us aren't worshiping Caesar, Baal, or the great god Pan, but our idols come in all shapes and sizes. Often, a great indicator is to ask ourselves, what is on our mind when we first wake up in the morning? And what is on our mind when we go to bed? Oftentimes, that can reveal an idol in our life. I wonder if sometimes the things we're praying for that we are sure to bring us joy, let's say a promotion at work, our knight in shining armor, the house on the lake, financial freedom, whatever it may be, what if sometimes God is waiting for us to find our joy, our fullness in Him first to protect us from allowing these things to become idols in our lives? I listened to a sermon recently from Bill Johnson, and he said, I quote, If God delays an answering prayer, it's only that it might gain interest and that we might become the people capable of stewarding well the answer and not have the answer destroy us. Unquote. I can't help but parallel this with the Israelites in the wilderness. You know, God did not say that he was delivering them from Egypt and into the promised land but that he was leading them through the wilderness and then into the promised land. God wanted them to learn to trust him, to rely on him fully instead of anything or anyone else. The intent was for them to meet their promiser in the wilderness. John Bevere says that if we are not prepared for the promised land, that we will turn it into a place of idolatry. In Philippians 4, starting in verse 12, Paul said, I quote, I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Unquote. That's the message version. King David is a beautiful testimony to us of what it looks like to find our joy in the Lord. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of his life from the age of about 15 to 30. So about 15 years. David had been anointed king, right? It would be 15 years about before he would actually take the throne, but he was anointed to be king. Then he slayed Goliath. He became a hero in Israel. He was then made commander of Saul's army. And David served so well that he was favored and praised more than Saul. Saul was then overcome with jealousy attempted numerous times to kill David. David escaped to the wilderness, only to still be pursued as Saul tried to have him murdered, uh, even after David had spared his life twice. Well, because Saul would not give up, after seven to ten-ish years, David was forced to leave Israelite territory, the very land that he had been anointed to rule over. So then David flees to the Philistines. He finds favor with them. He lived there in the village called Ziklag for a little over a year when, while he was away with his army, their wives and children were all taken and their whole village was raided and burned. 
At this point, scripture tells us that David and his men wept until they could weep no more. And like if it hadn't been bad enough already, David's own army threatened to stone him because they blamed him for their wives and children being taken. We can't be certain which psalm David wrote in that moment of time, but let's look at one of his other psalms in a great place of despair. It probably sounded something like this. This is Psalm 13. I quote, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Unquote. In David's deep place of sorrow and loneliness, he ends his words declaring the goodness of God toward him. You know, sacrificial praise protects our relationship with Jesus. When we offer up praise in a hard place that we don't understand, it is a holy sacrifice unto the Lord. David wept, but then he praised God. Sacrificial praise gives us the strength to continue to advance forward. In Nehemiah 18, scripture says, I quote, the joy of the Lord is your strength, unquote. When we are walking through a hard place, joy is a choice. We need time to weep at the Lord's feet. We just can't stay there. This past January, my family and I walked through a hard, dark time. I have a hunch it had something to do with the fact that we had been praying that the Lord would make us and our home holy as he is holy. There was a cleansing happening and it did not feel good. God did not somehow create troubling circumstances. That is not the God we serve. Those things were already there. I just wasn't aware of them yet. Well, in that season, it was like I was in a boxing match, backed up in the corner. The blows just kept coming, but then there was the one that killed me over. When it's the pain of your child, the blow is so much deeper. My 14-year-old son had been addicted to pornography for two years, and we didn't even know it. How in the world did I miss that? I had even just published a blog about how to be proactive to protect our kids from these things. He came and shared with us two months after the Lord had delivered him. The Lord was faithful to our prayer to bring holiness and so good to our son. God had saved him before I even knew he needed saving. The Lord is a redeemer. My son has already shared with hundreds of kids about the danger and destruction of pornography. This was one of the many things that we battled in that season. But it is seasons like this that we learn the power of choosing joy. One night, we gathered our family of six into our kitchen, pushed our kitchen island out of the way, and turned on a song that declared our joy in the Lord as we all chose to jump, dance, and sing while we offered God sacrificial praise. Are you picturing that? (laughs) Picture my husband, who does not have a single rhythmic bone in his body, jumping and dancing. It was great. When we choose joy to praise Jesus in the midst of our stuff, heaven is moved and we are strengthened. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, scripture says, I quote, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
unquote. Don't you love the buts in God's word? When it seems like we are surrounded on every side, we have an opportunity to put that same but in our story. And it's so important that we do because God has a mighty plan for each one of us, but we cannot walk in our calling if we stay weeping on the ground. There is a time for weeping, but then a time to get up. Jesus said, I quote, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Unquote. That's Matthew 5, 15 and 16. You know, Jesus here is taking the title he gave himself when he walked the earth and is now saying to us, now you go, be the light of the world. That is not only an incredible honor, but a great responsibility. I want to debunk something for us. Have you heard the lie that says, if it's meant to be, it will be? This lie only encourages the world's lack of accountability. We have a destiny. There is a book written in heaven with your name on it with God's great plan for you. Listen to this. It's Psalm 139, 16. I quote, In your book were all written the days that were appointed for me. One as yet, there was not one of them even taking shape. Unquote. People will use these scriptures and just say, well, if it's supposed to be, it'll be. It's just not true. God gave us the power of choice. We make choices every day that choose his way or another. At any point, David could have chosen to give up. He had every excuse. No one would have blamed him. But David knew he had been anointed to be king of Israel. I can imagine that there were times that that seemed impossible to him. But what would have happened if David didn't keep getting up? He wept at the Lord's feet. We know that but he always got back up. When he got back up after their village had been raided and burned and their families had been taken, the Lord told him to go after the raiders and he promised that they would recover all that was taken. And that's exactly what happened. It's a good thing he got up. Look at Ephesians 2.10 again. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Another translation says handiwork. Handiwork is done with care and intention, and anything you create by hand is unique. That's how God created us, and with our divine purpose in mind. Many of God's children are living under their God-given potential because we have an enemy whose very objective is to bind us, strip our power, and confuse us in an attempt to keep us from our divine purpose. But Jesus gave us everything we need to overcome the enemy, his authority, and the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, 14 through 18, it says, I quote, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all per- perseverance and supplication for all the saints, Unquote. I've shared this recently, but guys, we cannot just recite this portion of scripture every morning and think we're good to go. We have to actually engage in the battle. What does it look like in our everyday life to actually use the armor we've been given and instructed to use? This question is the reason I wrote my new book, Arise and Shine. We need the armor of God to live out the calling on our life. The Lord has given us gifts and unique abilities so that we can successfully walk in our divine purpose. The Lord will take these gifts and use them to build his kingdom and bless your socks off. Maybe the Lord will lead you to start a business that will honor him in the marketplace or be a godly influence in healthcare or political office or our school system. Or maybe it's to train up soldiers in your home to love the Lord and change the world. Maybe there's a ministry God wants to birth through you or a church that needs to be planted. Whatever it is, here's my advice. It might sound familiar, but I cannot highlight the importance of this commandment enough. Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You cannot miss your destiny when you follow his greatest commandment. When our greatest desire is to love God, his desires become our desires. You know, in a strong, loving marriage, there is agreement. Not always, but for the big things, yes. My husband and I may not agree on what to have for dinner, but we agreed to get married. We agreed to have children. We agreed to move across the country. You get it. When we have a strong relationship with God, because of our love for him, we will want the same things. God's desires don't change. Ours just get in sync with his. And when they do, a holy dream can be born. Maybe you've been carrying a dream in your belly for a while and you're feeling the birth pains. Or maybe conception is simply one yes away. The book in heaven with your name on it was authored by God himself. He has great plans for you. Our own choices create some subplots here and there that we could have done without. But as we seek the Lord, he will redirect us into the fullness of his plan. Imagine with me for a moment. Stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing and just close your eyes. Unless you're driving. Do not close your eyes if you are driving. Okay? When you get to heaven, would you want to see your book? Can you imagine opening the pages and running your fingertips over the words? I know Jesus would not miss that moment. He'd be standing right there with you, pointing out his most treasured moments. He'd laugh and cry tears of joy with you as you flipped through the pages. If it had illustrations, he'd be on every page. I want to live out every word. I want to make God proud. Do you feel the same? There is so much joy in pleasing the Lord. I heard a wise teacher say, I quote, most things you need will be brought to you but the things you want, you will need to go get, unquote. 
God wants us to desire to seek out and go after his great plans for us. He wants to partner with us in bringing them forth. The same teacher said, I quote, sometimes God will lead you in ways he knows you will follow, unquote. I remember sitting in that sermon and the Lord spoke that right to my heart. I had been discouraged because I felt like each time I was obedient in following the Lord, it turned out that that place I thought we were headed wasn't successful. I thought, did I hear God wrong again? I felt like I just kept getting it wrong. But I realized that every place he led me to was purposeful. He was training me and drawing me closer to him. I think too often we get so busy striving to build from a blueprint that we have created, not realizing all along that God's been building something in us. And if we don't realize that we're actually in training and on a journey with the Lord, discouragement and disappointment can keep us from advancing. We can't give up. We must continue to love him, seek him and follow him because he knows what he is doing. Thank you for listening. I pray that whatever the Lord spoke to you, that it is sealed in your heart. If you want to learn more about living in the fullness of God's purpose for you, I encourage you to get my new book, Arise and Shine. You can get your signed copy through my website at jamienthompson.com. And if you are looking for someone to share an encouraging message to your church or women's group or at an event or conference and you would like to invite me, you can do so through my website by clicking on speaking requests. Until next time, friend, peace and blessings to you. If you enjoyed this message, please rate and subscribe. I'd also love to get your feedback and hear from you. You can share this message through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and my website at jamienthompson.com.